0: Well, welcome back to the Voice in the Distance Ministries. As we are going to uh, once again uh, do another Q and A session. Now, this is only our second time, and again, it's it's been a while. I felt the Lord really leading me to do so, and I'm glad because when I look at the questions that were given this time, you know there was a lot of good questions, and. Uh, and the first time was great too, but I tell you, I really feel like people were really hitting hard this time. Um, there, there seems to be lots going on in the minds and hearts of people. There seems to be a lot of, uh, which I'm glad to see, is a lot of uh, questions in regards to the Word of God, and in regards to certain things of, of um, the Bible. And so, again, that's what this is here for. It's here to, to answer those questions. It's here to teach the Word of God. It's here to lift you up in prayer. And so... And again, I'm excited about this, but I do have to admit, this is definitely some very hard-hitting stuff. And so we got about four or five um, uh, questions that I'm going to try to get to as, as uh, thoroughly as possible. And again, I want to make known that that the, the answers as best as possible are to be biblical uh, versus subjective. Yeah, and so i want to make sure that we um that as, as this is being addressed that it's it's being addressed from a biblical point of view versus n- not my own opinion um although i can relate to some of these things um again uh, the subjectiveness is not uh, is is not what's to be at play here but uh, but the objective truth is what's to be, uh, being said here. And so, again, I appreciate these questions, and I'd like to think that this is going to be a good Q&A session. I'd like to probably do more of these more often, but it's probably been about a year and a half, maybe, uh, since the first one that was done. And so, again, these are hard-hitting questions, so I want to jump into it, uh, just because of the time. And so, um, uh the first question that was asked was out of Genesis uh, chapter 9 verse 18 in regards to uh, uh Noah and his sons after the flood. And uh, the question that was asked on top of uh, to answer Genesis 9:18 the question was is what dynamics could have led to his father's nakedness versus his brothers' sensitivity and the severity to Noah's grandsons in the curse? Now, Noah and his sons and his, and his family, his daughters, his son's um, uh, daughters or not daughters, but I'm sorry, this, his sons' wives were eight people all together. And there was eight people all together that survived the flood. And so once, once the flood had dried up and they made it to, to, uh, to dry land, they were now called to repopulate the earth. But before that happened Right before that happened, the, um, Noah had basically decided to... Uh, he, he grew grapes, actually. He was the first one to grow grapes, and, and, and then he grew... Um, he didn't grow it, but he actually created wine out of those grapes. And Noah, unknowingly, of course, continued to drink his product, and, and he got drunk and passed out naked inside of a tent. Well, his youngest son, by the name of Ham... Because he had three sons, he had Japheth, and he had Shem, and he had Ham, and Ham was the youngest. And um Ham had seen his father naked in the tent, and basically got a he got a kick out of it. I guess he started to show every everybody look at look at my dad, look at look at him. He's naked in the tent. He's passed out, and so. His other sons, Japheth and Shem, turned their backs and they took a blanket and and they they walked backwards to cover up their father's nakedness and his shame out of respect. And when we look at this, this was the beginning of of a lot of stuff here, okay? Because this was a new beginning on earth. And, And so... When Noah had awakened from his drunkenness and he heard about what happened, he basically got angry and he, he cursed Ham and, he, and his descendants. He said, actually, what he did was he cursed Canaan, who was actually the son of Ham. And um, So this would have been his grandson. So from the looks of it, for, judging from the question here, from the looks of it, it looked like, um, like Canaan, the grandson, was involved in a lot of this. And he basically cursed the descendants, if you will, that they would actually be under the brothers. Okay, and so when we look at the population of the world from the Semitic countries of the lines, and then we take a look at the uh, the areas that uh, that Japheth might have, um, that Japheth was basically populating in those areas of Europe and Asia and Asia Minor. Um, We look at those areas, and we look at what had happened uh, throughout the years here. uh, That a lot of these areas that um, that uh, Noah had cursed, uh, all of these areas from the from the areas of the Hamanites have suffered uh, quite a deal, actually. And so the question was: is that the severity the severity to Noah's grandsons? Okay, and the sensitivity to the brothers. The brothers showed honor. The brothers showed honor. See, we got to remember back in these days, disrespect to parents was was a very big deal compared to what we see nowadays. Uh, back in the uh, biblical days, within time, long after this event, even um, you know, j- children if they were disrespectful to their parents, they were actually stoned to death. Uh, they were taken to the city gates where there was normally ten elders at the city gates and they would, and it would be like the ancient day court system. And if, if, if they were to, um, if they were basically disrespectful and out of line, the judges would judge them and stone them. Now, it, it wasn't for little kids or toddlers, but this was typically in regards to children that were older, that were basically of age of understanding, you see. They didn't have juvenile halls. They didn't even have prisons. They didn't have anything. It was strictly capital punishment. So in these days, there was a whole different dynamic in regards to to respect and honor towards a parent. And after seeing this, you know, okay, because this was the start of a brand new beginning, okay? These were the first populators on earth, and then after that, you know, things would start to uh, to elevate again. And then during the time of Moses we had the Ten Commandments that were given. You know, God had seen so many things going on that he, he required a Ten Commandments. And what was the one commandment that was on there that was given to us as a promise? That commandment was, Honor thy mother and father that you may have a long life on earth. Okay, and that long life could be maybe not so much in the form of longevity, but in the in the longevity of the quality of life. And so, Genesis chapter nine eighteen had to do with with strictly, again, the sons of Noah populating the earth. But afterwards, that question had to do with the dynamics. The dynamics, probably, again, it's hard to say because we weren't there and the the scriptures didn't record a daily activity. Okay, so if you think about it, if if you have a few children, it's very rare that all of them are, are, um, you know, perfect children and respectful. There always seems to be one that wants to be a little more rebellious. And it looks to me as if Ham was probably that one, and he was the youngest, and and his son uh, Canaan. You know, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. So I wanted to. Uh, I hope that helps. And um, and again, if, if if there's more clarification, uh, feel free to contact me, and uh, I'll be glad to help uh, any more in that question. But I hope that that actually helped. Now, again, as the um, as the questions continued uh, within the depth here. A very common one. What happens to believers who commit suicide? Well, I've heard a lot of opinions. Now, from a scriptural standpoint, there isn't anything in the scriptures that talks about what happens to somebody who commits suicide. But, if we do look at the scriptures... There were seven people throughout throughout the throughout the uh, throughout the Bible. There there could be found seven accounts of people who committed suicide. Uh, some of them were in kings. It had to do with the kings uh, who committed suicide. One of them ended up uh, you know burning the place down with him in it. Um, we take uh, Samson for instance. Of, of a lot of you a lot of you have ever heard of Samson uh, in the in the book of Judges who had the long hair and when he had his hair cut, you know, the Philistines uh, gouged his eyes out and basically turned him into a circus sideshow. Inside of the uh, Philistine temple where they had him performing, he prayed to God to, for his strength to return and he was in between these two pillars and he pulled them apart and he ended up the building ended up falling down on him and everyone with him. Um we take King Saul, the very first king of Israel, who basically um, who, who killed himself. He impaled himself on the sword, uh, with a sword out in the battlefield. And then his armor bearer, when he had seen that he had done that, his armor bearer did the same thing. Um, so there were seven recorded altogether that I, that I was able to locate. Seven altogether in the Bible. Now, what I can tell you about those seven people... Were that uh, What I can say about them scripturally was is that these seven people were not walking with God at the time. Now, Samson was considered in the hall of faith, if, uh, what we like to call the, uh, the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, but still, it's n- not the ideal way to go. But again, when we look at the lives and we look at the backgrounds of, of these people who had, uh, who had committed suicide in the Bible, none of them were really walking with God. And so to answer that question, again, what I would have to say is, is that because it's not in the Bible and because it's a gray area, that would cause quite a bit of fear, into me at least. Um, it, it, It's unclear what would happen uh, the one thing that i would say is that it, it's not that is not the way that i would want to meet my maker okay because when we look at the people in the bible who did die when we look at the martyrs okay we look at paul the apostle who knew that he was basically going to die. He was going to be beheaded. He wrote to, he wrote to Timothy, the very last book that, that was written by Paul the Apostle, is 2 Timothy, and he said, I have ran my course, and I have fought the good fight. And I'm about to be poured out like a drink offering. Which means that, you know, he knew he was going to be beheaded. But he didn't kill himself the, uh, the day before uh we, t- we We look at all sorts of other uh Christian martyrs throughout the Bible that that were killed they, you know a lot of them have died some horrible horrible deaths even throughout uh ch- church history that was written after the Bible. Many martyrs have di- have died some very brutal deaths and we could also look in the book of Daniel in the Old testament uh, a lot of believers of God uh were actually thrown to the lions. And they were basically in in wait of that. They knew what was going to come to them, but they didn't commit suicide the day before. Okay, so um, it, it was a Jewish belief uh, by the Pharisees back in the ancient days that if somebody did commit suicide, that they believed that they that somebody went to the lowest parts of Shoal, which was considered the grave. But again, scripturally, it does not speak of that. So again, for to to be as clear as possible. Because of that, it's not something that I would want to um even I, it's not even something that I'd want to think about if if anything. I know many do, many have. Many are committing suicide nowadays. And uh even even believers nowadays are being attacked to the point of such. I've heard of, of pastors and many others who have even been taking their own lives. And there are pastors out there that teach that, oh well, if you do, you know, you're, you're still going to heaven, you know, and all this other stuff. And there's others out there that teach you're not. And so again, people are becoming, uh, people are creating their own uh, belief systems, if you will, of what's going to happen. I'm just going to be honest. It doesn't say. So if it doesn't say, why, why even take the chance? And so that, that is the, um, that is the basic, Answer that I would have is that because it doesn't say it's not something I would want to mess with. It's not the way I would want to meet my maker uh, because it's just, uh, it's not what God designed us for. You know, that, that's more of a thing of the enemy, if you will, who would talk us into doing such a thing. I've never, ever heard God say to go ahead and, and um, you know, take your own life. Never, ever in the word of God. Did he ever command such a thing? But our God is good. Our God is graceful beyond many. Okay? And so who are we to say what he would do or not do, If you know, especially if he didn't say? So again, with caution, with care, I, I say what I say. And I, I say what I say to basically just say, don't, please, you know, do not ever attempt such a thing. I'll give you an interesting example before I go on to the next question because I have a, a friend of mine, who was living in a section of uh, Mesa, Arizona, and uh, he's a pastor. And what's interesting is, is that he had a, a police scanner radio that he would actually listen to, to some of the uh, police calls in the area. And he said that, that that section of Mesa, he literally heard somewhere between 12 to 15 suicide, uh, suicide attempt calls that day in, in his area. And what was interesting was, as he said that the police out there said, that we have a code triple six. <laughs> code six 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 is what their code was for, for the, uh, for the people, uh, that they were attempting to, uh, uh, to deal with in the form of suicide calls. So, I found that quite interesting. And so, please, again, uh, just know that that is not the Lord's way. And, and he will, he, he has all of our times directed to, for us to go. And it's not by our own hands. Now let's see here. Here's another tough one that was given to me. Why does God test you over and over? And, and it's another question that goes along with it at the same time. Why does God test you over and over? And why do some have more trials in life than others? And that right there was, again, that's something I think that everybody would like to ask. Well, everybody's lives are different. Everybody's walks are different. Many ask, is it something that I did? What did I do wrong? It could have been. It very well could not have been. But what I do know is that whatever's happening, God wants to get, you know, your attention. He wants to get your attention. No matter how good or how bad life is. Okay, He wants our attention. And sometimes he, he uses these things to get our attention. Why does he test us over and over again? Because God, again, God is not like one of those teachers who's going to uh, pass somebody on just to get them out of their class. He will basically make you take the test over and over until you have accomplished it. And, and so that is just how God works. And I've said before, I continue to say again, if you, you know, if you've ever been in your classroom and when you are being tested and all you hear is silence, I've never once heard the teacher talk to you during the test. <laughs> it's not until after the test, whether you failed or whether you passed, that something gets said. So, why does God test us over and over again? There's many different reasons. But why do some have more trials in life than others? Well, that's interesting too because, uh, you know, God again sees fit for every life that needs to be handled, okay Jesus said that my that my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, and so we all know what a yoke was. a yoke was attached to an ox when it was to plow the field. But you know, when we think about what Jesus said, we think to ourselves, "Well, that's interesting because a yoke was not meant to be easy, easy, and nor was a burden ever meant to be light." But what you see, you see when the Lord's involved and, and through His design, it's, it is easier to be done. Why? Because we were, we forget that you know when Jesus wrote this, he was he was a carpenter. He was Jesus was a carpenter. He probably made yokes for people out of wood. He was custom fitting probably for your shoulders. Okay, and God, God knows what you can handle and what you cannot. It's what the Bible teaches. We know, we know what that says. But you know, everybody's armor has to be custom fit. Because as soon as we're born in this, li- in this life, we're in for a fight. And, and there must be a training with armor involved. But you see, again, see, when you go back to the days of King David, when he was just a teenager, okay? And King Saul was basically, uh, King Saul was king at the time. And we heard the story of David and Goliath. Everybody was afraid of this 9 to 10 foot giant. And, and he was so big that his armor itself weighed 200 pounds. Well, the biggest guy in Israel was King Saul at the time. He, it, the Bible says that he was a, a head above everyone in the land. So this, can, this would probably mean that King Saul was probably in the, uh, in the high six-foot range, possibly seven-foot range. He didn't want anything to do with Goliath. It was David at the age of 15 years old who stepped up and said, I'll take him on. Oh, <laughs> you know, Saul said, okay. So Saul tried to put his armor on David. It did not fit. David said get this off of me and David defeated him with a shepherd's sling with one with a stone and, and a sling that shepherds would use though to to fight off uh, wild animals with so his his armor didn't fit him King David eventually within time had had uh, more wars under his belt than anybody his armor was special fit was custom made and and so your uh, your battles your battles are being done to, to, custom, to customize you in your walk with God. I was talking to a dear sister of mine at the church that I, uh, that I attend on Wednesday night. She asked if I've taught the book of Job yet. I haven't taught that on the website yet. And, and uh, she said that, you know, she goes, I could relate to him a lot. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Have you ever read what he went through? And then when she explained to me what she went through. She said she talked about how much she has lost over the years, and I thought to myself I was like, "Oh my gosh, you, you pretty are close to, to Job's life." She lost a, you know she lost a, her dad at, at 13 years old, um, you know her mom's not doing too well right now. She lost a brother. She lost a child. She lost a, she lost her husband after 15 years. And that's not all. She couldn't explain everything else. But this this woman is very strong in the Lord. She is a dear sister, a beautiful woman, strong in the Lord, telling me her story and her testimony, but how God has delivered her because she still said God is good. And she says, you know, she says the same thing. I'm good when it comes to trials now, but we don't always get to make that decision. But see, again, the armor was custom fit and so he's doing something he's doing something in you he's doing something in me that that needs to be that needs to be done but again i think better than my answer i think that th- whoever hears this message and asks these questions you you can hear the answers yourself if you pray to god and i'm giving i'm giving answers from a biblical standpoint Because again, Job here, you know, Job was again one of the most righteous men around at the time. And even his own wife says, just curse God and die, get this over with. He he refused to do it. I will not curse God. He loved him regardless. In the book of Daniel, uh, he had three friends that were there with him in the kingdom, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego, who were thrown in this blazing hot oven by the, by the king of Babylon named Nebuchadnezzar. But before, he, before they were thrown in the oven, King Nebuchadnezzar said to them, he said, do you think that your God is going to save you? And they says, yes, we believe our God will save us, but if he chooses not to, we will not denounce his name. Well, they threw him in, and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar decided to look through this little slot, this little eye slot, and he saw that the three of them were in there, but with one other completely unharmed, walking in the blazing fire. He says, wait a minute, three of them were thrown in there, but I'm seeing a fourth, and one of them looks like the Son of God. Well, how in the world did he know who the Son of God was 500 years before the birth of Christ? That's quite interesting, isn't it? everybody's trials and armor is being custom fit. And so I want to remind us that we must stay close to God no matter what happens through the, good, through the best and worst of our times. Again, I hope that helps. And again, I'm trying to go as biblical as possible here, but I can relate to certain things as well. Um, another common question here, an interesting one. What happens to people who never heard of God, you know, and then they die. what happens to them? <laughs> so again, I said some of these were t- some of these were tough questions and and so we got to remember that our our God is all knowing and he' was, he's all loving. We can always trust God to do the right thing right but i want to give some uh i want to give some uh some biblical outlooks here you know one of the uh, most common use scriptures is out of uh, Romans chapter 1 verse nineteen twenty. It says, Because uh, what may be known of God is manifest in them, uh, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." And twenty one says because all they they knew God they did not glorify Him uh, as God nor were they uh, nor were thankful but became uh, futile in their uh, thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So the question that a lot of people ask is what about those areas in the remote jungles that have never heard of God? Um, you know it's it's funny because when we look at how certain people in the Bible were called none of them knew God. I mean, let's look at the two biggest patriarchs, if you will, in the Jewish, in the Jewish faith, and, which would be Abraham, who was from the Chaldean area of Iraq. He didn't know who God was. He came from a pagan nation. God spoke to him individually and moved him, and Abraham became the father of many nations. And, and it wasn't you know until God spoke to him, he had no idea who God was. Abraham was within a, a paganistic area. Let's look at Moses. Moses didn't even know God. Moses was, was raised in the Egyptian kingdom, and it wasn't until Moses escaped the Egyptian kingdom, God came to him in the burning bush. And after that, he became the most influential person in the prophets and so on and so forth, and in, in, uh, and in the Jewish faith. But again, like I said, when it comes to those areas out there where people have never heard of God, let's just put it this way. God knows all things. God is, is just. He is perfect. Okay, and so um, the Bible says that 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 the children are His. If a child dies, and if an infant dies, or a child dies, we know that that child is in the presence of God, because Jesus Himself said that you know the kingdom of God is theirs, and so. Again, God knows all things. God God is just. No one has no one has the uh um the ability to say what you what God's going to do outside of the scriptures. But I, I could give you some here interesting ones. You know, when when Abraham was uh Making his way into the land there. And his, his nephew Lot had moved to an area called Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, Sodom and Gomorrah had become very wicked over there. And God had come down and spoke to Abraham and says, that I'm, I'm going to wipe out that area, so you might want to get your nephew out of there. Or, you know, warn people. But see, Abraham had a problem with that. He says in Genesis 18.25, Far be it from you to do such a thing as this. To slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. All right. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Genesis eighteen twenty five. God, God went ahead and told Abraham, if I could, if I could go down there and find one righteous, I will not touch the city. Well, see, God already knew what was going on, but God did go down there, and not one was righteous. Not one was righteous, and, and it was destroyed. And so, but when we look at the heart of God. You know, when we look at the heart of God, you know, God himself said in the book of Ezekiel chapter 18, he says, I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies, says the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. That is from the word of our God. I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God right and so for this for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth first timothy chapter 2 verse 3 and 4 okay that that is the heart of our god so what happens to those people well again like i said nowadays we can't say that uh <laughs> nobody's ever heard of god i mean even the ancient greeks in the in the book of acts when Paul the Apostle had gone there for the first time, he, he saw all these statues and monuments and stuff. But he found one. He found this, this big dedicated sta- uh, plaque, if you will. It says, this is dedicated to the unknown God, the God. And, and that's who Paul the Apostle was there to make known. He says, oh, I am so glad you have this here because I am here to tell you who this is. And, and so, they knew of the unknown God, just didn't know him personally. Um, George Washington, the first president of the United States, before he ever became president, fought in what was called the French Indian War in the United States. And George Washington apparently was was shot a few times, but survived. Uh, he um, some of his medals and certain other objects saved him. And. Uh, from the words of the Native American chief that had uh, shot the bullets, his comment was: "As he said that, I want to meet the man once this war is over. I want to meet the man who was protected by the main spirit." So it's interesting that even back then, in the um, uh, back then, hundred couple hundred years back, that even you know this Native American chief knew of of God but called him the main spirit but obviously did not worship or have a relationship with God so God I think God was always known through conscience and through and through the things that he he's proven to us that he he does exist but especially nowadays it's hard to say because of how broad the bible has become and the gospel has gotten around the world, even in the most remote places of jungles in Papua New Guinea I've met missionaries there and and in the Amazon it's amazing that, that God has actually done quite uh, quite a work there in places of Africa as well. It's uh, the, the belief system is so strong. Praise be to God for these days and ages uh, um, in, in in the ability to get out the gospel. And so we got one more uh, one more question here. Does the body in hell combust or burn to death into disintegration? And scripturally, no. Um, there's two eternities. There's heaven and hell, and the Bible teaches that that the body does not die in either place. So, unfortunately, unfortunately for for the hellfire and brimstone, that that doesn't happen. You, you're the the body is the body is there for all eternity. It'll. It, it, it speaks of uh, the Bible does speak of having all five senses, and, and so Jesus even told the story. He told the story of of, um, of uh, Lazarus and the rich man about how the rich this rich man who was unnamed um, was brought down into the part of torment. And so he, he he talked about how the, this rich man had had asked uh, uh, for Lazarus to come down and, and, and to drop some water on his tongue because during this time uh, before uh, the captives the captives were released from Hades this was in the center of the earth this was before uh, the death of Christ Jesus was telling the account. Of, of this rich man in hell, on how he can actually feel, and was begging for somebody to drop some water on his tongue because of the torment of the heat, so no, the body does not die in either eternity, nor nor do you get to um, nor do you get to get to die or feel anything uh, in, in any form of comfort in hell, nor can you feel any any better in heaven after you 're there because the glory that 's up there is going to be unfathomable, <laughs> so it 's unfathomable. We can't even fathom, if you will, either side. Either side is unfathomable, and and so again, the question is, is that which side is it that we want to be on? Which side do we choose? Uh, do we choose to this day? And, and so, that's the whole point of a voice in the distance ministries. Again, you know, to to equip the saints, you know, to teach the word of God for what it's saying. Uh, it's a it 's a ministry of prayer, and I really enjoy these questions and answers I like to to broaden the horizons a little more you know because um, you know we 've been going through uh, sections of the Bible, but it 's nice to be able to answer things for people in um, in other areas of scripture. But on top of the Bible teaching, on top of the prayer ministry, there's one more important aspect in the form of evangelism, which is the most important thing that anybody could take, and that is in the receiving of Christ as Lord and Savior. And, and to bring you into a, into a place of eternity with Him in heaven, you get to choose to, re, to receive or to reject But when people choose to reject, we cannot, we cannot blame God for being rejected when it's all said and done, when we are the ones who rejected Him, when He wants us first and foremost. Well, I want to give the opportunity as, as every time, after every message, to give that opportunity to receive Him as Lord and Savior. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you, maybe you're in that place as some people were were with the question of suicide and believers. Okay, if you're contemplating it, there's another way. And, and that other way is to receive him and to walk with him. And I want to give that opportunity right now. And you do that by a simple prayer. A prayer of repentance, a prayer of receiving. So if you feel led, I want you to, to say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. as Lord, as I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, I thank you for for dying on the cross, Lord. I thank you for cleansing my sins. I thank you for receiving me, Lord. As I receive you as my Father, as my Lord, my Savior. So Lord, may we walk together all of my days, and may you receive me when my time comes. As Father, I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, what a blessing it was to be of service uh to be able to answer these questions. And, and again, you know, uh, within time, don't be shy. Uh that's what the that's what this ministry is about. And and so I want to be able to give us uh the opportunity to know him. Uh, to grow into him by by teaching the word of God, by answering these questions. So may God bless you and may He, may He use you mightily. And may we continue to seek Him always. God bless you.